Now, 92.9 FM ESPN presents Memphis's biggest columnist. You ain't got to do nothing, homeboy. You ain't writing nothing. No, you ain't. ain't writing nothing. I ain't letting him write. He ain't getting no interviews. It's the award-winning Jeff Calkins from the Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins Show. I don't get no interviews. I know. I'm good. On 92.9 FM ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, this is something they call a groundbreaker. So let me first apologize to the shots and the ties for your makeup. Cause I make you ugly. As soon as it drops, we're on a rampage. Bubbles popping up before you know where. There's rubble and dust, cause we'll be pushing it up. Somebody say, You Morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, let's see. Today on the radio show, uh, the, the good news is, is Jason Smith is going to be back with John today. Jason and John as uh, scheduled at 11 o'clock. So you'll be able to hear the uh, dynamic duo back together. So that's good. But uh, no Jason on my show today. We're going to have Chris Harrington straight up at 10 o'clock to talk about the Grizzlies. And we had a bit of a dilemma because uh, Jeffrey is out today. Connor Dunning is is filling in ably, and, and I appreciate that more on Connor here in a minute. But anyway, so Jeffrey is uh, is out today, and um, but today's the day I do his bets, and so 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 I, I couldn't be without Jeffrey's bets, particularly because I'll be honest, he's dug a hole for us here. <laughs> he he dug us a little bit of a hole. Uh, at the beginning, as some of you know, I give him at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the, of the uh, uh, football season. Every football season, I give him ten crisp one hundred dollar bills, and uh, and I tell him to go forth and invest them, and and he does, and it's all been very profitable, except for last year when the money disappeared, and that was a problem. And so then this year, when we started badly again, I'm like, my God, he's lost his touch. He's lost his touch. And except for the last three weeks, we've had winning weeks, and we're we're almost back to break even, ready to vault into uh, profitable territory. And now he's out today. So what we did was yesterday, I t- we take I I I I you know nose to the grindstone. We taped that. We taped his uh, his picks for the weekend. So we will listen to Jeffrey's bets in the second hour. Uh, and he will he will break down even in the absentia he will break down uh, the college football uh, slate for you. Connor Dunning just joined me, and people may not know this, but Connor and I go way back. Uh, when did you first you first introduced yourself to me, Connor? Because your grandfather was Al Dunning. Yes, sir. And literally, someone last night at the Paul Young event asked me how I wound up in Memphis. And the sad story of how I ended up in Memphis is your grandfather died. Like, literally, that is how I ended up in Memphis because Al Dunning 
was the longtime columnist for sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal, and was a tough act to follow. People really liked Al. He wrote with humanity and touch, and Zach McMillan, a former writer at the CA, tells the story that they went one Saturday night, they went to a Mississippi State game. We used to cover at the CA. We used to cover Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Tennessee, Memphis, home and away. And so they went to some Mississippi State game, and they drove back that night. And I think it may have been the very next day that Al died of a heart attack. How well did you know him? I didn't. I was four months old. Oh, you were four months old. I was about four months old. What do people tell you about him? Oh, everything. Everything about him. Um, Growing up, I heard about him constantly oh, like every you teacher up, your mom was a t- your mom was a my mom was a your, nurse your mom was a, but his his wife was a teacher at germantown ruth dunning yes sir ruth dunning yeah, yeah. ruthie at, yeah ruthie. she was at germantown and um, you grew so you heard about him all the time constantly every single teacher that i had growing up when they would hear my last name they would al dunning and i'd be like yeah that was my grandfather so, <laughs> and through to be quite honest i still hear it today um I'll run into people constantly, and they'll ask if if my grandfather was Al Dunning. When I host trivia on Wednesday nights, we have really? a, we have a bit of an uh, an older group comes, and they constantly ask me about him. It's it's I mean, and I I, I, I get excited every time. I've been here since '96, mm-hmm. so if this is like yeah, he passed in '95. So to have that kind of an impact, that 30 years later, people are still talking about your grandfather. Is pretty fantastic. So the way, the reason I I reached out to you originally it was in high school when I did uh-huh. it. I think I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, yeah. and we had just found his old like newspaper clippings and right. like a whole bunch of things in an attic, and I had just read all of them. And I was going to ask that you, was you you have read his stuff. Oh yeah, constantly. It's it's my favorite stories that he writes are the fishing stories about my dad. Those are always he writes my stories about going fishing with your dad. Yeah, those are always the favorite ones because my dad's not an outdoorsy man, so <laughs> it would be a joke about. So how, he'd, be, he'd be about his inept fishing son. Yeah, a bit so, yeah, because my dad's he, my dad was a baseball player, so that he lived on a baseball field, and his two older brothers, uh, David and Danny, they were more of the outdoorsy type. So, for instance, one of our favorite photos of all time is um, they asked the the three boys to go get their favorite Christmas gift, and. Uncle Danny and David have two guns and they're holding it in the, in the photo. My dad has a has a cuckoo clock. <laughs> so, um, but the reason I reached out to you was I, I read his clippings and I was like a freshman in high school. You're trying to figure out what you want to do, and I was like, I think this is what this is what I want to do, and that's why I ended up reaching out to you. You did. That's amazing. And so you are doing some version of it. Some version of some it. Some yeah. version of it yeah. is right. And another timeline. Maybe he had a radio show. Somewhere. Did you? Did you along the way? Did you waver? Like, to did do, you did, did you know you were always going to do sports? No, no, I didn't. It's, I mean, what you so, like so you, yeah, go ahead. When I was in college, um, I went there originally, and I did sports management for a little bit, and then I decided, ah, that's not really what I want to do, um, which is funny because I fell into it with Rhodes for a little bit. But I originally went to school, wanted to do journalism, um, and then I switched to film, film and uh, video production yeah. for a while. And that's actually what I graduated with from the University film. of Memphis is a, with a film degree. And... Basically, I was telling myself, I'm going to try this film thing out. And it was going well for a while. I worked for America's Got Talent. I did indie gigs here and there, um, was involved with Indie Memphis. And then radio just broke first for like a career. So I went that route, and here I am today. Here you are today. Well, 
Uh, it's good to have Dunning and Calkins working together because we really we never overlapped. Like it's the uh, first show it, I've ever done with you. Somehow. Yeah, I know it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's incredible. So I've never we've never been able to tell Jeffrey's this. never not we've here. never been able to tell the story because Jeffrey's a maniac. Yeah, exactly right. So anyway, uh, yeah, okay. Just to recap, tomorrow uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have uh, Chris Harrington straight up at ten o'clock, and then we will have Jeffrey's bets. But Connor Dunning uh, is going to be uh, driving the ship. Uh, for the morning. So I, uh, it, there's plenty of sports to talk about, including the Grizzlies have an exhibition game uh, Sunday. There's pickleball, by the way, on Beale Street Sunday. So there you go. You can play pickleball on Beale Street. Uh, 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 pickleball 901, or is it 901 Pickleball? No, I forgot. Um, pickleball 901. Um, that They're, they're going to have Beale, Pickleball on Beale Street. And, uh, and then there's an exhibition game, preseason game. Uh, and we had a full. We had, of course, the Bears getting their first win in honor of Dick Butkus, who passed. Uh, we'll talk about that as well, and then the full slate of college and football games, of course. But before any of that, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, the fact that we have a, a new mayor elect. Uh, Paul Young won the election for mayor last night. I. Um, I was at his uh, celebration, and in the end, so here's the truth. I didn't know who the hell was going to win. One of the amazing things about this election has been, for the last week, people would say, who do you think is going to win? And and I was like, well, I think Bonner's going to win. In fact, someone asked me yesterday who I thought was going to win, and I said, I think maybe Bonner's going to win. And other, you know, other people are like, well, then Willie Harrington, he could, he could actually be the mayor again. He could win. Other people like, Van Turner could win. And there was a real, Van Turner had some late momentum. There was this sense of uncertainty going into uh, the election, um, election day, yesterday. We really didn't know who was going to win. Um, even as we acknowledge that this is a pivotal election. Um, and so I just like, I said, well, I'll, I'll, in the end, I knew I was going to write about the winner, whoever it was, whether it was Floyd Bonner or Willie Harrington or Van Turner or Paul Young. But I started out at Minglewood Hall, which is where Paul Young was and his party was. And in the end, when the early voting votes came out, in combination with the fact that the turnout yesterday was so meager, it didn't feel like anyone was going to catch Paul Young, even though he didn't have a massive lead, he had a lead. And so uh, big cheers went up at the, at the Paul Young headquarters. And, uh, and, and then I knew I was sort of in the right place and, and I hung out there. Um, just to be clear, it's, it's, it's kind of pathetic and I'm not pointing my fingers at any of you at all. I'm it's the system as much as anything, but it's kind of pathetic that <laughs> that Paul Young was elected with fewer than twenty five thousand votes. Um, that 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 um, of the three hundred and seventy three thousand and ninety one registered voters, eighty eight thousand six hundred and sixty eight voted. That's twenty three percent of the voters who were registered to vote. But actually, of of registration eligible voters in Memphis, seven percent voted. And you have Paul Young winning with 24,408 votes. And, and then you've got, you know, 
three candidates behind him. Bonner had 19,895. Willie Harrington had 18,990. Van Turner had 18,778, who put together Swamp Paul Young. So if you're listening today, and by the way, I'm really, it's fun to walk around at that event last night and and hear from so many people who say they do listen to us in the morning, and we really do appreciate that. Um, and don't take it for granted. But you probably, if you're out there, you didn't vote for Paul. You're like most people in Memphis didn't vote for anybody, and then the people who voted, most of them didn't vote for Paul Young. That's just true. And so it's and it's because we have this crazy ass system. We had 17 candidates. Fat Bear Week, which is by the way. In Fat, are you, are you a follower of Fat Bear Week, Connor? I, I am not. So Fat Bear Week, there's this this park in Alaska where they you vote. They have a bracket, and you vote for your favorite fat bear. And because they're eating salmon, and they're getting giant in preparation. And there is a bear today, by the way, that's in like the semifinals or something. And it's the name of the bear is 901. They number the bears. Some of the bears have 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 names. Otis is a old bear who's been a, a perennial participant, but there is a bear who happens to be named 901. So if you want to go to Fat Bear Week, you'll find it on the internet, and vote for 901, you'll be doing God's work. But the point is, Fat Bear Week only has 12 candidates. And the Memphis mayoral election has 17. And it's not because we want this. Two times, in 2008 and 2018, we voted for something called instant choice, instant runoff election. And... As with so many things, the state thwarted it. Would not like Mem- Would not let Memphis have what it w- wished for and what it voted for twice. And so you have the situation where ah, Willie Harrington can think, "Listen, I don't have to get fifty-two percent, or I don't. Have- All I got to do is get in a seventeen-person election, get enough people who are nostalgic to come out and run." So you've got these seventeen people. The debates, uh, and I covered one of them. They weren't debates. A debate is when you have two or three people exchanging ideas. These were just eight people or seven people on a stage making position statements. And by the way, most of them agreed on almost everything. That's the other thing. So who stood out? We kind of knew that, well, Floyd Bonner, he's got, the, he's got the badge. He's the sheriff. And Van Turner, he's the guy who keeps saying that he's a Democrat, even though everybody was a Democrat. And then uh, Willie Harrington... He's 83 years old. Somehow Willie Harrington is running again and seems kind of compelling to some people. It was on with Jason and John. Seemed kind of compelling. And then you got Paul Young, who had never won a race for anything. Paul Young has never won. He's been a, he's been a, he's worked in, in Memphis government uh, for the course of his career. But he's never won. He never entered an election. And no one a year ago knew who Paul Young was. And he's your mayor. And here's the truth. As a guy who did not have firm conviction, and people who I respect supported lots of these different candidates, coming away from last night, I was really impressed. I was really impressed. And the, for the, 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 the way we feel about ourselves in the city, it's, it's, it's agonizing. Like most people, most cities don't go through these ebbs and flows of, of, of pride and self-loathing and pride and self-loathing and pride and self-loathing, but we seem to. And when I got here in 96, it was a period of self-loathing. And then it, it partly because of the Grizzlies, but all kinds of things, 
you know, we had the AutoZone Park and the Green Line and sh- like, like lots of things started happening. And um, and all of a sudden, that there's 901 everything. We have exuberant pride. And now we're very clearly in a period of extreme self-loathing again. And um, and so for the, I really did last night, and maybe I'm a sap and maybe I'm a sucker, but I felt at least a hint of something that I recalled from way back when. And I'm like, is that, is that optimism? Do, do I, do I have a, do I sense in myself a hint of optimism? And I'm like, yeah, I swear to God, I think that's hope and optimism. Just a little bit of it, just a little, I think I have some optimism. And, um, and so I'm going to, at the, we'll talk plenty of sports these, over these next two hours. Chris Heron's going to join us and Jeffrey's going to join us. And we got the whole next segment and everything else. But I wanted to start. We do have a new mayor, and most of you didn't vote for him and probably wouldn't recognize him. So uh, I thought I would play just a little bit of Paul Young's speech last night. He came, well, you basically, at this point, Floyd Bonner's conceded, Willie Harrington's conceded, and he comes out to the stage in Manglewood. And we'll just give you a little bit of this. This is what, uh, this is what it sounded like. This is a we thing. This is not a me thing. This is not about Paul Young. This is about the future of our city. The city that we love. The city that people forgot about. The one that they want to write off. We're not having it, y'all. We ready to take us into a new future. I've said it many times on the campaign trail. It's time for us to write the next pages of Memphis history. What will those pages include? I know the heaviness that we're feeling right now. I hear the cries of the mothers, the cousins, the brothers. Far too many people dying. Kids that are starving. Poverty that we've been talking about for the last 60, 70 years. Our community needs help. Our community needs leadership. And it's time for that next generation to take us into a new wave. We acknowledge the challenges that we see. I know that they are here. I know this a lot. I know what we're walking into. But I'm optimistic. I believe in our city. I believe in Memphis. I believe in every one of you. Whether you're in this room, whether you're watching on TV, I believe that we can be better. In fact, I know that we're going to be better. We're on a mission, y'all. When we started this race, September 1st of last year, we had one goal. One goal, change our city. Change our city. And we've stayed on that mission. It's not about any of the other candidates. I have a lot of respect for everybody that was in this race. In fact, let's give it up for all 16 other competitors that were in this race. I've already heard from a couple of them. I talked to former Mayor Willie Harrington, at least his team. I've talked to Floyd Bonner. And I'll talk to everybody else. But right now, it's about unification. It's about coming together to finish that mission, y'all. We ran this campaign with the idea that we can do things differently. That it doesn't have to be about throwing mud or bringing another black man down. 
in order to win a race. We wanted our race to be about a vision for the future. If people tell us they want to take us back, we say we want a future that we've never seen. We want a future that we've never seen, y'all. And that's what we're going to do together. I hadn't even looked at my notes. I'm supposed to be reading the speech right now. But... Uh, that, that was what got me. Like, literally, he didn't come out with a prepared. He just started talking. I, like, I don't know. Like, wasn't that impressive? Did it, wasn't that good? Did you think it was good? It, it was. And just, you know, I, I actually voted for Paul Young. So I was, uh, well, there you, I was you, very you pleased already on, You were already on board. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, and I, I, I wrote a column about the, all of this. And again, who knows? It's a hard job. Who knows what we'll bring? You, you look back at Jim Strickland. Jim Strickland ran on law and order. And largely, honestly, through no fault of his own, we have more lawlessness and disorder. Like, it's just the world, like, the state gun laws and the world changed. Like, I don't blame Jim Strickland for that. Um, you don't know how a mayoral administration will go. And by the way, Jim Strickland did other things magnificently well. So, I, But you don't know how a, how a mayoral administration will go. I can't tell you whether... Paul Young is ultimately going to be great or good or terrible. Um, but there were things about him that give me optimism. First, um, he clearly worked his ass off on the campaign. Like a year ago, nobody knew who he was. And, um, and what he did was he started doing these meet and greets. And he, these are, it, they'd explicitly say, this is not a fundraiser. You know, a lot of times you get hit up to go meet the candidate. You think they're going to ask you... And people would meet him, and they'd say, oh, I want to have a meet and greet. And they'd have more meet and greets and more meet and greets and more meet and greets. And, like, he was at every event. He just worked his ass off. And I think it's a big job. You need someone who's going to work their ass off. Secondly, I at least appreciated that he didn't run any attack ads. I, I really did. Like, I, I, there's been a lot of finger pointing in the city over the last few years, and and maybe some of it's deserved. Things deserve to be have their fingers be pointed out. But I appreciated the fact there were a lot of people attacking Paul Young, but he did not run attack ads back. And it seemed to me that is a uh, at, at this particular moment that is a useful thing. Thirdly, he clearly cares about crime. Every single one of these candidates understands that the number one issue is crime. Um, but he also has something. You can't just sell a city based on uh, less. We have, we have, we still have bad crime, but marginally less than we had last year. And that's all you're going to say about the city? No, like he knows the city has to be a attractive place. I was talking to one guy yesterday who, because Paul worked for the, he worked basically selling downtown and he was at some event in Dallas meeting with other people talking about Memphis. And this was a real estate person I was talking to last night and was just really impressed by the way Paul Young could sell Memphis and talk about Memphis as a place that's not just crime ridden, but that, you know, that, 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 that offers things to the people who live here. And his vision extends to more than just, hey, a little bit less crime or, a lot, you know, whatever. It does include that, but it extends beyond that. And then I, th I think there's, 
I think there's something to be said for having the guy that's not 83 or 64 or like he likes hip hop. He's got young kids. He's, you know, I think having a young mayor be the face of Memphis is kind of a good thing. So we'll, we'll let you hear a little more from Paul, then I'll wrap this up. This is a little more of, uh, this is a little more of Paul Young from last night. That together, we go through a transformation. A transformation that's going to take us from hopeless, hopelessness, from hopelessness to hopeful. From poverty to prosperity. From hurt to heal. From stalled to thriving. And from good to truly great. Because we can see it. A future when our city is on the top of all of the best of lists again. We can see a time when the Memphis streets are clean and our citizens are prospering and that they're safe. When we're growing wealth in black and brown communities. We can see a united Memphis where all of our neighborhoods are supported and pride is renewed. We came together to show that we are one Memphis, y'all. One Memphis united. We're Oak Haven. We're Uptown. Westwood, South City, South Memphis, Binghampton, Bell Mead, Klondike, Central Gardens, High Point Terrace, Hollywood, Smoky City, Chickasaw Gardens, Frazier, Raleigh, Cooper Young, Orange Man, Downtown, Hickory Hill, Whitehaven, we all there. And everywhere in between. One Memphis, y'all. So I step into this role with a clear directive from all of you to create a stronger Memphis. Now I want to say this. I know that because of our politics, we didn't win with more than 50% of the vote. And I want to invite everybody that supported another candidate to join this team. And when I talk about this team, it's not the young team. It's the Memphis team. It's the Memphis team. Campaign season is over. Now we got to get to work, Memphis. It's time to do the work. And we're going to do it with love, with determination. And we're going to make things happen for our young people. Because far too many of them are falling by the wayside. They're depending on grown-ups. They're depending on us to be grown-ups and figure this thing out. We can fight about our partisanship, about our race, about whatever things divide us. But the question I ask you is who is losing? I want y'all to really think about that. Who's losing when we're doing all this arguing? My goal is to make sure that we're bringing people together for a broader purpose. We kept that mission during this campaign and we're gonna keep it as we govern, as we lead together. And so my promise to you is that I'm going to lean into what we started together. I'm going to work harder and smarter every day to create the Memphis we all know is possible and the Memphis that you deserve. So tonight, let's turn up, let's have a good time, let's celebrate, and then tomorrow we get to work. Let's go, Memphis.
There you go. That's uh, the, the, the mayor-elect of uh, the city of Memphis, Paul Young. Wish him the best. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's, I, I, that's what I would say. I wish him the best. There's a lot of big things ahead. Um, there's the Tyree Nichols uh, trial, settlement, lawsuit, lawsuit. I guess that's whatever. There's all of that. There's the FedEx Forum stuff. Um, there's, the, there's a continuing struggle with crime and poverty. Um, there's the decision what to do about the police chief, whether there'll be a new police chief. There's all kinds of things. And um, so, yeah, we kind of talk about sports here most of the time, but I know that all y'all care about the city as I do. So I thought I'd take a moment and let you hear a little bit from the new guy. Uh, we're going to talk about sports in the next segment. Then we'll talk to Chris Harrington and then Jeffrey's bets. Before that, I will tell you right now, new customers, if you head over to FanDuel and bet five bucks, get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's right, $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel is, of course, number one sports book in the country. It is also official betting partner of the NFL. So you know it's safe. You know it's secure. Bet on spreads, player props, over-enders, whatever it is you like. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Go to FanDuel.com slash Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S, C-A-L-K-I-N-S. Must be 21 or older, present Tennessee. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Calkins and Dunning back in a moment. It's Jeff Calkins Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Jeff's guests appear on the Frame Corner phone lines. Frame Corner, with expert custom and do-it-yourself framing since 1975 on Park Avenue in East Memphis. Now, back to the Jeff Hawkins Show, live from the Genesis Memphis Covington Pike Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. All right, back on the Jeff Hawkins Show. Chris Harrington next, then Jeffrey Wright. Uh, there was a football game in addition to mayoral election last night. Chicago Bears beat the Commanders 42-20. How about that? Just when you thought you knew what the, the Bears were were woeful, they uh, they win a game in 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 impressive fashion. Uh, DJ Moore was a monster. Was what he was was predicted to be. Honestly, when they acquired him during the offseason, three touchdowns, 230 yards. First half stats. Five catches, 137 yards, two touchdowns. That seems good for a half of work. It was 27-3 to at that point. Bears end their 14-game losing streak. Justin Fields, don't look now. Last two games, 43 of 64, 617 yards, eight touchdowns, and one interception. Connor? Would you want, you are a, a, a supporter of the Tennessee Titans. Would you want Justin Fields to be your quarterback? Over what the Titans have now, I would say yes. Clearly over, because they're, yes. Yeah, over I, would take, now, I would take Justin Fields. Would you Field. have hope and belief if, if, he were the, uh, if he were the quarterback? Do you, do you believe in him? Did you believe in him in the offseason? I did. I did, actually. I thought that Justin Fields was going to have a better season than we've seen from him. I, you know, I always root for the Chicago Bears because we have a ton of people 
in our live that are Bears fans, and I just I hate to see them suffering so much. And it's been see a that's brutal, a different that's a funny that's a funny thing because a, a lot a lot of a lot of fans when they have people in their life who are fans of a certain team, they enjoy seeing them suffer. That's one <laughs> that that is one of the. Like I'm not one of those guys who texts people when their team loses to go to to but there are, that is a whole element of fandom. So it's interesting that you want even though they're not your team, you want the people around you to be happy. Yes, I do. I do. The only team that I actively root against or the two teams, let I would get, say. Let me let's see Cowboys. No. 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 Oh, I'm I'm talking outside of the oh, NFL. Okay, I, yeah. I I don't really oh, hate Warriors. anyone in the, against the Warriors. Oh yeah, I can't stand the Warriors. It, so it would be the Warriors probably and then I would say the Yankees, because I'm a Red Sox fan. Like, the Yankees being in last place with the Red Sox this year made it better for me. Right. And then Florida Gators. I can't stand them. And the Florida Gators. Well, uh, Bears win. And, uh, and of course, on the day that we learned that Dick Butkus uh, died at the age of 80. Butkus is one of those guys who's just has a image, an aura about him. Weirdly enough... Speaking of the misery of Bears and Bears fans, Dick Butkus, who retired at 31, because back then you'd get mangled and they didn't have the orthopedics was not what it is now, and uh, and hitting was so Butkus only played for two winning teams and never made the playoffs. Never ever made the playoffs. His final season, um, the Bears went three and eleven. Like they weren't good. They weren't good. He was good. They were not good. But he wasn't just good. He was, along with probably Jack Tatum, if you're thinking like who in in the world has the reputation, like Lawrence Taylor has the reputation as being maybe the scariest defensive player ever, right? You know, you just, who was like the guy who could wreck an offense more than anyone? But if you're, who could wreck you personally more than anyone? That was Jack Tatum. And Dick Butkus. Dick Butkus once said, I wouldn't go out to hurt anybody deliberately unless it was, you know, important, like a league game or something. Um, so that was it. Uh, Bears win, Bears win, Bears win. In terms of the NFL slate this week, um, your Titans are in it. I mean, they're in it, and they got Indianapolis. What say you? It's it's a huge Will game. Will they make the playoffs? You got to win this game. The division stinks. You, the division stinks, but you also and might have. And my Bills have could win in London. The division. What's what's odd about the Titans is the division may stink, but you might have the worst quarterback, which is concerning. It's very concerning because you have three young quarterbacks in your division, and you have Ryan Tannehill, and then you can't figure out if Malik Willis or Will Levis or anything. I don't so, think they're anything. I don't think they are either. That's why I, I would happily take Justin Fields Okay, right so now. wait. So the other ones, you got Anthony Richardson. Uh, you got Trevor. Like, he's good. C.J. Stroud. And then you got C.J. Stroud. Pretty good. Pretty good. Rank those three. You get to, pluck, you get to take oh, one Trevor's of them. Oh, Trevor's one. Clearly one, yeah. right? I would say— And who do you, which of the other two do you want right now? You want C.J. I would you? want C.J. right now while— saying that I believe Anthony Richardson may have the ability to jump C.J. at some point, but he's still kind of a diamond in the rough. But he has shown, he's really shown some flashes. They just got to protect him. They're putting him behind a bad offensive line. He already got a concussion. That's what that's what Gabe's been super concerned about is him getting his bell rung a little right. bit too early. But I, no, Trevor's clearly number one. Clearly, Trevor's clearly number one, but you're right. The, and, and, 
and the Titans have addressed it in consecutive years, but not really. Kinda. Kind of. <laughs> only kind of. Only kind of. That's exactly right. The second and third round is a very half-hearted effort to, uh, if you're taking quarterbacks in the second third, that's a very half-hearted effort. So there you go. I'm not inspired. Obviously, there's one great game on the slate, Dallas and San Francisco, right? That's a, that is a great game. I don't know if, if heading into it, it looms as it's as glamorous as last week's Bills Dolphins game, but right there because it's got the Cowboys in it, and the Cowboys are more glamorous than anybody. And so that's a and it's a it's a it's a of course the Bills Dolphins was a replay of last year's playoff game too. Dallas San Francisco is so that's a classically great game, but in terms of the rest of the slate, I'll be honest, I'm just I'm just sick enough that I'm really interested in Jets Denver the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl, right? Nathaniel Hackett has refused to acknowledge this week that that any of that happened, that Sean Payton said anything about him or whatever. So Nathaniel Hackett isn't talking about it, which is probably what you'd expect. Um, but the Jets showed actual life. Um, and uh, and so that's, that's entertaining um, how that is going to play out. The rest of the matchups, Tennessee-Indianapolis is big, right? It's got... But no one really thinks either of those teams is good. Like, no one thinks they're it's, – it's big, yeah, if you want to win your cute little division, it's big. But nobody thinks of those teams as actual contenders. Um, and then the rest of it, like Baltimore-Pittsburgh would have been good except for Pittsburgh stinks, right? And Baltimore's and Baltimore's Baltimore's good. Um, Cincinnati-Arizona, like whatever, Cincinnati was supposed to be good. Like, that's – like, um, what's the other – Kansas City-Minnesota? That's kind of interesting. It's interesting because, because is Kansas are, is Kansas City's offensive struggles, and they have had offensive struggles. Are they just like well, they play the Jets? Like, what do you expect? Or is it they don't have receivers and their tackles are struggling? Are they? Can you always just throw out Mahomes and know you're going to be awesome on offense? So I think that I think that one is interesting. Bills Jacksonville is interesting. Oh yeah, that one's very interesting. Um, but otherwise, I don't think it's a great. I don't think it is a great slate. We do have, also this weekend, the Grizzlies uh, open preseason game. They play the Pacers Sunday, uh, and there will be pickleball uh, on Beale Street before then. Have you yourself ever played pickleball? I've only played it once. Oh, you have played it. Where? I have played it. Um, I can't remember the park that we went to, but my— On a pickleball court? It was on a pickleball court, and it's one of the most tired I've ever been in my life. Tired? I was, I was not expecting to I would not at all expect it any more than effort. I would if I— Oh, you actually sweated? Oh, yeah. We got into it. Yeah, we were going— we It were, was actual— It was very competitive Exercise. Pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> It really? Was, yeah. I thought it was just social good fun. It it can be. It definitely can be, but I I, I also have a group of lunatics who are friends with me. So, so we're all you competitive. played and it was was it, it, it could you were were you credible? Like it was, was not hard to learn or to like to, It wasn't hard to learn. Cuz if you go out there and try to play tennis and you've never played tennis before or you try to play golf and you've never played golf before, you can't literally can't do it. No, my baseball swing ruins everything. You can't yeah, do I it. just I hit it a mile but for no reason. But pickleball you can be a you can have fun playing pickleball the first time you play pickleball. It's kind of big ping pong. That's the way that right. we looked at it. So we were having a lot of fun. I'm not sure we were very good at it, but we were having fun. And it was a group of four of us. It was a couple group. Um, so it was my wife and I huh. and, and our, our two best friends, and we went to go play. And it was it was a good was time. Fun. 
It was a good time. And you got a workout. I got a workout in. Now, see, if you start playing tennis right away, all you're doing is you're just walking to pick up the ball all the time. Like, and then you're <laughs> right. like, you're not making it like it's not, over the fence and going not, to find the trees. It's, not, you're, it's no fun. Like, and that's the maybe like Sam Hardiman, who's gracious enough to come on the show now every Wednesday. He that's one of his criticisms of it is that there's no like tennis is is something you have to work at and grind and get better and. And, but we're a lazy people, and we like to have fun instantly. And so you can pick up, pick a ball and have fun. Anyway, there'll be pick a ball on Beal. And then the Grizzlies uh, will play the Pacers. So you tell me, beyond, like, good health, right, and beyond, like, John not appearing on Insta Live with a gun, what's the – what are the, the three things – we'll take them in order – that you would most like to see from this preseason that would give you the, the greatest enthusiasm for the new year and uh, would make you more inclined to bet the over win total as opposed to the under. Now, understanding the preseason's limited, what we learned is limited, et cetera. Still, what do you want to see? Number How, one, what's number one thing? I think number one is Zaire. Zaire. Yeah. But is that only, by the way, because you take all the other stuff for granted? You know Jaron's going to be good. Right. You know Dez is going to be health. You know, is the number one thing Stephen Adams well, running up health, and down the court? You, you took health away. Oh, you're right. I took health away. You took health off the table. So it, oh, Stephen no, Adams right. would be number Stephen one. Stephen Adams. He right. would be number one. Okay. I, what I meant to take was just like no devastating new gotcha. injuries off the table. Then, yeah, Stephen Adams healthy is Steven probably Adams the number one thing. Stephen Adams running up the court, up and down the court, being healthy, being the old Stephen Adams. Picking up basketball picking, players. Picking up, if he could pick up a basketball player and deposit him somewhere just to show that he hasn't lost his touch, that would be a good thing. That's number one. Right. Two would be Zaire Williams. And what do you want to see from Zaire Williams? And are you one of these people? So John Martin is on the. We're never seeing this. Come on, let's not let's stop fooling ourselves, people. He's never been a good basketball player. He's been a tall basketball player who can run up and down the court and dunk, but he's never actually been, including in college, he's never been a good basketball player. So forget it. Let's 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 stop fooling ourselves, right? That's where John is on this. The Grizzlies are seem to be in a very different place. Where are you? I am in, he's got to show it this year, or it's probably over. If he doesn't show anything this season, I'm not sure there's going to be a spot for the future for Zaire Williams. Okay. Because and, he's and got you so many had, guys could, behind him. If you could wager, if you, if right now you were to wager at the end of this season, will you feel like, you know what? Zaire proved he could do it. Or, you know what? That was a waste. Which do you think is the more like? Those are your two choices. It, he proved it, or he didn't prove it. Which I, do you believe am is I allowed more likely? To scale it a bit. <laughs> what, what does that mean? So I think he's going to prove it, but I don't think he's going to prove he's a starter. No, that's fine. No, okay. You think he's going to prove he is a credible, useful? You want him in your playoff rotation player? Right. I don't think he's going to prove that he's ready to start, though. But you think he will prove? He, not spot minutes, not but a regular rotation. Hey, Zaire's coming off the bench. Good things are about to happen, player. I hope so. That's my hope. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to be optimistic. I'm choosing to be optimistic. If I had to bet it, predict to hope, I would bet no. I, and I think that's fair. I think it's fair to bet no. I think it's fair to bet no on him because. I mean, I've already been too optimistic about the mayor. I can't be optimistic about everything <laughs> that's here. What, you that's know, why I'm, I'm here. here. I balance that's it why out. You're here. Balance it out. Yeah. 
right, what's a uh, what is a third thing? Um, probably Jake Laravia. I need to, we've got to see because he had a disappointing summer league. I don't think there's any way around it. You were hoping that he was going to come out, be one of the older players. As did Roddy, which surprised right. me. Right, Roddy showed more in the NBA season last yes, year, so I but have then, a bit more confidence. I expected more this summer right. specifically because he had shown more in the NBA He's, season. What was odd about Roddy is he struggled to score around the rim. Uh, during the summer league. So I would like to see an improvement on that. I think, really, I think Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia have the same goal for me. One of them needs to shoot like 35% from three at least. Just hit your threes. That's all I, That's all we need from them. Hit a three. Be able to spread the floor. And I think that Zaire Williams, the reason that a lot of people have a, just hoping that he can be something is he's got a little bit more defensive potential, I think, than Jake LaRavia just because Jake's a bit slow. Um, so that's why, I really, I just need to see actual gameplay from Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia and show that they can be on an NBA court because the game just moves a little too quick for him right now. What do you expect from Marcus Smart, and what do you expect from Derrick Rose? In the preseason? Uh, or overall? Gen- generally. No, we'll say overall. I think that Marcus Smart is going to have a... Do you think he's going to be... Do you think he's going to... Uh, like, people... For, as people were frustrated with Dylan Brooks's shooting, there will be moments there. Like absolutely, I, I don't. I'm not sure everyone is prepared for this. Right, but there are moments they're going to be. Why the hell did Marcus Smart? Like they, that is part of the Marcus Smart experience. Absolutely. the The biggest difference between Marcus and Dylan, though, is Dylan would do it for 16 shots. Marcus will do it for <laughs> right, about 11 right, or 12. Right. No, no, so that's I'll take, true. I'll take the. It is you a. Know. It is a improved version right. of it. It's but a, it is. So it will be a similar to experience. be frustrated. Yeah, but I also think that he'll keep his cool more. Like I don't think that he's going to put a target on the Grizzlies' back. No, as, as he's Dylan not going to embarrass. Let's be sometimes. honest. Let, the truth of the matter is, in all kinds of ways, let's be blunt about it. The Grizzlies embarrassed themselves last year. A bit. They embarrassed themselves. Ja clearly embarrassed himself, the organization, and the and the city. Let's. He did. And Dylan embarrassed. And no, there wasn't anyone else. Was there anyone else? It was just those two. And one of them's not playing right now, and one of them's gone. So I don't I, I and and the others then the other ones got caught up in the wash and you're like you take these guys who are not who are only as far as I can tell commendable and admirable like Jaron and Dez and like and they're like caught up in this because they're um I don't know because they sit in the same locker room as those guys um but they embarrass themselves and yes Marcus Smart is not going to embarrass anyone um I don't believe that uh D Rose where, I think, where I think, were you in 2008? Oh, gosh. it's I actually, so, I, the most starstruck I think I've ever been around an NBA player was Monday when I got to talk to Derrick Rose. It was, I, I couldn't believe that it was happening. Um, in 2008, I was 14 years old, 13, 14, and an well, that's absolute, a sweet spot. That's the sweet spot. I was spot. a Memphis basketball lunatic. <laughs> lunatic. Like, it, they, it's, it's to this day one of my favorite teams of all time. Um, Joey Dorsey's probably my favorite Tiger of all time. Um, and it's the first time I ever cried after a sporting event was when they lost that game. It's the first time. I, I, I remember it, it because we had a big watch party at my house. We were all wearing our shirts. And you think that they're going to win. So the celebration no, slowly starts to begin. I was to young win. and naive. I was young and naive. I didn't know. I didn't know. So, like, the younger you people were celebrating. Were... The adults were like, wait, wait. Were they really? They were like, just wait. Because my dad, 
he's, he was he was like free throws. It's going to get him at some point. He knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. And then when Chalmers hit that shot, it, it was that as soon as it went in, I was like, oh, they're not going to win this game. And as soon as it ended, I left the party, went upstairs, sat on my bed, and just cried. And I was just like, I cannot believe it was so, right there. And then that summer, uh-huh. we go to Disney World. Yeah. Um, it's a big family tradition. We always try to go down there. And I wore a Memphis short shirt. Yeah. And one of the new rides had just opened up. I think it was the Soren ride. And we were in line for like, you know, two and a half hours, brand new ride. You want to ride it, things like that. We get stuck in line, and I'm not kidding, next to a Kansas Jayhawks oh, fan. Oh, no. He recognizes my Memphis shirt. And is merciless. And starts telling me stories about how he was punching holes in his wall at the end of that game. And I was like, this is not helping me. I was like, <laughs> this isn't an adult man telling a 14-year-old that he was, he was punching holes in his wall before the game ended and then how elated he was when they won. And I was like, great. <laughs> so where are you on Derek now? I'm a big fan. Big fan. I think that the first 25 games, we'll see his impact on the court a little bit more. You think just so? Because you think, and it will be a... Uh... You It'll think be he's got more left in the tank. I do because uh, one point that someone brought up, I was listening. I was weirdly enough, I was listening to New York Knicks people talk about him from last season, and it wasn't that he wasn't able to play; he just didn't have the opportunity to play a bunch. So they think that he may have actually been able to rest his body a bit last season because he played so sparingly. So I'm hoping he still has a little bit more left in the tank. I also not, am not sure if it if that's the reason he's here. He's really here for the locker room for Jaw and to steer the team in the right direction. He's here to be a good influence and all of that stuff. Um, All right. Uh, Chris Harrington will join us in the next segment. Then we're going to play Jeffrey's bets. uh, And we'll get into the college football uh, weekend. Uh, Before that, I will tell you, if disaster strikes, folks to call Service Master by Cornerstone, 901-RESPOND is the phone number. You can just put it in your phone so you have it. Because 2 in the morning when a tree falls on your house, you're like, who comes at 2 in the morning? Like, who, who will come out at 2 in the morning to rescue us? Or when, the, when the, a pipe bursts? Who at 4 in the morning? Why, why, why you have to just, a pipe has to just fill up water to our house till 8 in the morning when someone, no. You call 901-RESPOND. They've got a 24-hour phone line. They're locally owned. They're locally operated. They work with every insurance company. And they will get someone to you to help you. So it is 901-RESPOND. It is Service Master by Cornerstone. Um, and whether it's uh, fire and smoke, whether it's storm damage, whether it's mold and mildew, uh, uh, whether it's water, whatever it is, they can help uh, literally bail you out. Um, it is uh, Service Master by Cornerstone. The phone number, once again, is 901-RESPOND. Chris Harrington is going to be in studio. We'll talk to him next, uh, 92.9 FM ESPN.